Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 81. My life is too hard. It's December 6th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and clearly podcaster. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. My life is too hard. Well, this is a difficult subject, but I have to tell you, I've got lots and lots and lots of really good news and things you can do that will help life be easier, help you feel better. And and this is a common thing. Now, people don't go through it every day all the time, but some people do. So I've got lots of good news for you. So let's get going so you know where we're going and what we're going to do. So here is what I'm going to cover today. Number one, general comments, some overview. Number two, it's almost certainly not your fault. Number three, asking for help. Number four, dealing with depression. Number five, managing expectations, attitudes, and beliefs. Number six, is there a cognitive distortion? Number seven, Flip the switch on your emotions. Number eight, counterbalance the negative. Number nine, learn to control your mind and be present. Number 10, post-traumatic growth. Number 11, the miracle of gratitude. Number 12, friends. Number 13, self-care. Number 14, additional suggestions to help you. And then my takeaways and call to action. If you're new to my content, I hope you're going to go visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway. Well, I have one that's ending this month, but but I have another one that's also going on, but it's not ending this month. So do that. You might win some free stuff. All right. My disclaimer. I am not a medical professional in any capacity. I'm not a therapist. I'm not any of those things. And you as a consumer should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider. That's how that goes. And I'm not that. Now, if you're listening to this podcast about life being too hard and you feel suicidal, you feel like your life is not worth living, you are thinking about harming yourself, I'm asking you to please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to tell people. I am asking you to talk about it. And I'm fine with you posting it on social media if that works, whatever works. People will help you. There's plenty of help available. It just not, might not be from the people who you would like to help you, but you got to take that where you can get it. 
All right, so I want to give you some general overview comments, thoughts here in the beginning. So first of all, this is way more common than you would know or re realize or recognize because it's one of the many things that people don't talk about. There are people, probably you know, who feel like their life is too hard and they're not uh, languaging that. They're not expressing that. So if you're at the edge, though, I am asking you to get in action. Tell people you're at the edge. Tell people, you know, you've tanked and get help. Like I just gave you the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If life is too hard and you're at that extreme, that calls for serious, serious action. And you need to request help because there is help. Now, you might not be... You might be feeling like your life is too hard, but you might not be at the edge. Like you're not ready to go over the deep end yet. So this podcast is going to give you kind of a playground of areas that you can, you know, dip your toe into. You can fall into, you know, all the way like it's a swimming pool. This podcast is going to give you lots of options about what you can do to feel better. And I'm gonna tell you that I have felt that my life was too hard on on several occasions actually. When I was dealing with three concurrent traumas while I was raising my kids, yeah, there were there were plenty of days when I thought, oh, this is just too hard. I'm I'm not gonna make it. And I wasn't thinking about committing suicide, but I was thinking I don't I don't I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this. So for a lot of reasons, sometimes people feel like their life is too hard. Now, I, I was originally going to put a list of all the reasons why people end up feeling this way, and, and the reality is there's way too many reasons. So I opted not to include that. So for whatever reason, could be you have too many life challenges, you may be going through a trauma, you know, there's all kinds of reasons people end up feeling like their life is too hard. So if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But it is kind of like on a continuum. You know, at one extreme, someone's thinking about ending their life because it's too hard. And at the other extreme, it's like they had a bad day and they feel like life is too hard. And there's a lot of area in between. And for some people, <clears throat> they really actually had a very hard life. So Wherever you are, I want you to just be able to own it and claim it, not make it wrong, and understand this is common. I mean, people who go through grief sometimes feel like life is way too hard. There's just all kinds of circumstances, situations, and things that have people end up feeling like life is too hard. And I, I would recommend you ditch any shame or embarrassment about it. I mean, it is what it is, and that's not going to be helpful. All right, so my first, so those are my just kind of general comments. If you're at the edge, ready to go over the cliff, you need to get in action and make a phone call, request help, put on social media, do whatever you have to do and say, look, I'm, I'm at the edge, people. And people will help you. If you're not at the edge and you're like somewhere in between or you're like 20 feet away from the edge, then action I'm going to be giving you some actions and you're going to want to get into action because it is actions that will help you feel better 
All right, so number one, or this next piece is, it's certainly not, it's almost certainly not your fault. It's predictably not your fault. And what, what I mean is, we are raising children and have been for generations where we are raising children in dysfunctional families. I mean, it's 70 to 96% of American families are dysfunctional. I know that's a range, but it's a pretty high number. So it's very predictable and highly likely that you grew up in a dysfunctional family. That's not your fault. It's not your fault. But if you did grow up in a dysfunctional family, then you learn some, you know, there's some, there's an impact for that. Usually one of the impacts, by the way, is low self-esteem, which doesn't feel good and causes problems. So, you know, so dysfunctional families aren't your fault. And that would be part of maybe why you're feeling this way. Low self-esteem. Again, if you, you developed it at a young age, <clears throat> which is the most common thing. That's not your fault either, but these are things you can you can deal with low self-esteem. We're not teaching young people emotional skills and emotional abilities, so that's not your fault because you should have learned that in your childhood, but we're not teaching people that. We're not teaching, we're not giving people support in life. It's like, oh, here you go, out the door, good luck. You know, we're not, we don't have this, you know, culture of just, love and affection and nurture and full support that's really not what's going on and you know you may not feel like you've been well loved in life or that you even deserve love those things aren't your fault either but there's something you can do about that you know we're not teaching people what to do when life is hard we're not even teaching people basic communication skills or how to deal with problems I mean there's you know, we're really doing a wretchedly poor job of raising children and then blaming them when they don't know things. So it's probably my guess and my projection or prediction is that this is not your fault, but it is where you are. So let's figure out how you're going to move into having life be better and richer and and more amazing. So the first request I have for you, and I know you're not going to like it, but that's okay. You know, like sometimes people get upset with me on my podcast because I'm talking truthfully and sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. Well, okay, if you don't want to hear the truth, I'm probably not the right podcast for you because the truth is what will set you free, and the truth is what's going to be helpful. So the first piece is to be able to ask for help. If you feel like life is too hard right now, then, of course, asking for help makes the most sense. There are people, however, in this world, sadly, who feel like anybody who has to ask for help or accept help are losers. Okay, I hope you're not that shallow. I hope you're not that, you know, like empty as a person that you would, you know, judge and condemn and, you know, belittle someone who needs help. And I, I actually, I, I know people who have that mentality and they're actually very sad people. Like, I feel sorry for them. So there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Now, you might be afraid of being judged or condemned. You might feel ashamed. You might feel embarrassed. 
Listen, most people in their lifetime at some point or another need some support and need help. There's just nothing wrong with it. And anybody who tells you otherwise, I would be like looking at them sideways. I, I would actually have a lot to say to them if I had that kind of relationship. But anyway, so I'm firmly but gently or gently but firmly suggesting that you ask for help. Now, over the years, I have I have asked for help in all kinds of in all kinds of ways, you know, going you know, at, at least till co from college on. In fact, um, when I was in college, I was the colony president for uh, Alpha Omicron Pi, who was recolonizing on campus. And Alpha Omicron Pi at the time only had two other colonies, so they kind of didn't really know what they were doing. Well, at least that's what the the president told me, she said, well, you know, there's only three of you. We, we haven't done this for a long time. And we kind of like kind of forgot what to do. So I don't really know the answer to your questions. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I went to the Chi Omegas. I did happen to be their RA and said, hey, is there any way you ladies can help me? Our headquarters is, you know, out of practice for starting a new chapter. And the Chi Omegas were uh, absolutely over-the-top, helpful, kind, generous. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Thank you, Kai Magus, by the way. And and I wasn't ashamed or embarrassed. I mean, like, look, my international organization didn't know what, how to answer my questions and help me. So, of course, I went somewhere else. Over the years, I had people babysit my children so I could go to the medical library when someone I loved had a life-threatening slash terminal diagnosis. And these people were happy to come to my house and babysit the kids so I could go do medical research. I have asked for help in moving. I have asked for all kinds of help. And I have even put some requests for help on, you know, social media. I mean, like, look, if you need help, you need help. So you ask for help and then you get, you take the help that you get. And sometimes you have to ask a whole bunch of people to find the right people. But here's the thing about helping people. Like, I always help people. I've always helped people my entire life because I enjoy it, because it's rewarding to me and it's fulfilling. And when you allow someone to help you, you're giving them the gift of them feeling the honor of helping you and the joy of helping you. So it's something that you've got to put this on your list if life is too hard. I mean, I could go on and on about things that I've asked for help for. And, and I'm laughing, but the reality is, so what? So what I've asked for help? I really don't care. Of course, I also really don't care pretty much what people think of me, which is helpful in life, by the way. So the right people will help you make requests for help, ditch your shame, ditch your embarrassment, ditch any, you know, judgment or condemnation you have of yourself. So that's number one. Number two, dealing with depression. If you're feeling like life is too hard, it is extremely predictable, almost guaranteed that you're dealing with some level of depression. And there's all kinds of 
levels of depression. So you could have mild depression or you could have at the other end a major depression or you could have a major depressive episode. There's just kind of everything in between. So what's going to be important for you is for you to A, recognize that and B, you know, get into action. And I do have to say, you know, so depression is extremely common. It's so common. And there are people who you might be shocked or surprised who've experienced bouts of depression or a major depressive episode here or there. Like, because it's not something that we're talking about. But I do want to read this fascinating piece from the research on the use of magnesium for the treatment of depression so that you know about it, number one. But number two, you can talk to whoever you're seeing about your depression, whether that's your primary care or if you have some other physician treating you. All right, so this is um, from a PubMed article. The title is called Rapid Recovery from Major Depression Using Magnesium Treatment. So I'm going to read this little paragraph and a a subsequent sentence or two. Quote, case studies are presented showing rapid recovery less than seven days from major depression using 125 to 300 milligrams of magnesium as glycinate and tardate with each meal and at bedtime. Magnesium was found usually effective for treatment of depression in general use. Related and and accompanying mental illnesses in these case histories, including traumatic brain injury, headache, suicidal ideation, anxiety, irritability, insomnia, postpartum depression, cocaine, alcohol, and tobacco use, hypersensitivity to calcium, short-term memory loss, and IQ loss were also benefited. Those are the other benefits from magnesium. Equally fascinating from the same paper is this statement. The possibility that magnesium deficiency is the cause of most major depression and related mental health problems, including IQ loss and addiction, is enormously important to public health and is recommended for immediate further study. So there's something, a supplement, magnesium, that you could take. Now, I I always recommend you work with your doctor. You don't just take stuff, you don't self-medicate. But there, you know, there's ways of dealing with depression that are more helpful and some that are less helpful. So you want to start dealing with it. And actually, a lot of the rest of this podcast, if you're dealing with depression, will also help you with depression. All right, so you're going to have to deal with your depression. And I just gave you magnesium might be helpful, but taking actions can also be helpful. So the next piece is managing expectations, attitudes, and beliefs. When life is too hard, it is extremely valuable. Well, it's always extremely valuable to have empowering attitudes, empowering beliefs, and to manage your expectations. But when you're quote-unquote up against it, 
when like life is too hard, it becomes even more significant and even more important. So here's my question for you. Do you expect things to improve or get better? Or are you expecting things to get worse, kind of in the doom and gloom realm? Well, I don't know what you're expecting, but here's what we know from psychology research. We know about something called the self-fulfilling prophecy. That's been around for decades, like more than four decades. I don't know how, I don't know when it was first started, but it's decades and decades old. So here's what the self-fulfilling prophecy means in your life or in, in general. So when you have a positive goal or a positive belief or a positive expectation, your subconscious and unconscious mind directs your behavior. Now this is your subconscious and unconscious mind in a way to direct your actions to fulfill on that goal or expectation or belief. So for example, let's say you set a goal or you set your expectations up that you're going to get this amazing, amazing, phenomenal new job. So that's your, your goal. You've got this amazing new job you're going to get. It's going to be great. And then, you know, of course, you're sending out resumes, you're applying, you're writing cover letters, you're networking, you're doing the things that you would do if you were going to get a new job. And then, voila, you get this amazing, miraculous new job. That's an example because what happens is your subconscious and unconscious mind is, is doing, is directing you in a way to fulfill on that, to make the outcome come true. So the self-fulfilling prophecy is extremely important in life because you're either using that or you're using the self-defeating prophecy. If you're using the self-defeating prophecy, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Now, why would you do that? Well, you might do that because you don't know about it. Well, now you know about it. Now, here's the other thing. I have a whole podcast about your subconscious and unconscious mind because that's 90% of your mind. It's 90% roughly. I mean, depending on who you read, some people say it's 95%, but let's go with 90. You know, and you don't have access to it, but it controls your life. So if you want to listen to that, that'll be, that'll be very helpful. But the bottom line is you want to set positive expectations and have positive beliefs and attitudes because then you're going to utilize the self-fulfilling prophecy to have those good things come true. Now, if you're a negative, you know, died in the wool, negative thinker, I would suggest you start doing some research on this because we know this happens and we know why it happens and it's been studied forever. So, and, and if you're a negative thinker, there are books to help you convert your thinking to a more helpful, positive way of thinking. But you want to take advantage of the self-fulfilling prophecy and expect good things and set good goals because you were the majority of your mind, the subconscious, unconscious mind is going to work with you to have that come true. So 
what you believe you can achieve. If you only expect that life is going to be harder and harder and you just expect this is always going to be your life, guess what? It always will be your life. That's not what I want for you. I want you to have an easier life. I want you to have a happier life. I want you to have like life be miraculous. And of course, that might seem like a stretch if you're feeling life is too hard. Oh, I know it. But, but I live in the miraculous even when life is hard. So you want to make sure you have empowering attitudes and beliefs and that your your expectations are in alignment with positive things so you take advantage of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Now the next piece is really a question for you because the question is, do you have a cognitive distortion? Well, I don't know if you have one. How would I know? I mean, you're listening to a podcast. But if you have a cognitive distortion, that could be part of what's going on. Like, it could be a huge part of what's going on. So let me tell you briefly what a cognitive distortion is. And I have a whole podcast about cognitive distortions. And by the way, it sounds like not a good thing. Don't even worry about it, but you want to get to work and resolve it. So what a cognitive, and cognitive distortions are common, they're like pervasive. What a cognitive distortion is, is it's a form of irrational thinking. So it's a filter you're looking at life through that's flawed or inaccurate. It's not rational. So my analogy in the podcast on cognitive distortions is that a cognitive distortion is like one of those uh, mirrors at a fun carnival fun house or a carnival funny house where you walk in and there's all these mirrors and they make you look really tall or really fat or really skinny or whatever crooked and you know when you're looking in the mirror that that's not how you really look like you know that but it's a distortion the mirror distorts your image and likewise a cognitive distortion is a distorted lens that you're looking at life through. So you want to have life be easier. Yes, that's what this podcast is about. It's about life is too hard, so we're going to do the things to make it easier. What's going to make your life infinitely easier every day is if you are thinking rationally. So if you have a cognitive distortion, you can deal with it. You're not stuck with it, but you want to go, hmm, is that a piece? Because if that's a piece of this, then you're going to continue to have the same problem. And that's the definition of insanity. You know, not taking, you want to take it, solve the problem at the level it starts. So if you have a cognitive distortion, you want to identify it. You don't want to be like, oh, woe is me. I have the cognitive distortion of being an emotional reasoner. No, you might want to go, oh, well, I just discovered that I'm an emotional reasoner. That's a cognitive distortion. And guess what? I have been reasoning using my emotions instead of facts. It's no wonder my life has gone this way. Well, that's actually what an emotional reasoner is. It's somebody who uses their emotions as facts and reasons with their emotions instead of facts. So they sometimes end up with a messed up life because they're not thinking rationally. So get any cognitive distortions identified and then get to work on dealing with them because you are not stuck with them. They're a solvable problem. It's like not, it's like anything else. So that's number one. 
Next is to employ a technique I call flipping the switch on your emotions. Now I have a Newsweek article. If you go to my uh, Newsweek expert forum profile page, all my articles and the article that I've written are on there and the articles that they've written. Actually, if you go to my website, there's a Newsweek tab and you can click on that and it takes you to my profile. So I have a Newsweek article about flipping the switch on your emotions and I have tons of podcasts about emotions and I have YouTube videos, but basically flipping the switch on your emotions is a stopgap measure to help you feel better. Well, if you feel like life, your life is too hard, you need some little tricks and some techniques to help you get through the day and get through the week and get through the month and your life. Flipping the switch on your emotions has to go on your list. And yes, I am advocating seriously that you do it. So what is that? Well, flipping the switch on your emotions is a technique where you notice, I'm sad, I just got upset, I'm I'm unhappy, something happens, whatever. And then you go take an intentional action designed to help you feel better. That could be any number of things. And, you know, you'll have to decide for yourself what that is. I mean, I'm not you. I mean, sometimes I go for a walk or you can call or text a friend or you can, you know, meditate or pray or read something. And there's all kinds of things you can do, but you want to take an action. It's an intentional action designed to help to boost your mood. And what happens when you do that? Well, number one, you get a momentary break from feeling bad or sad or upset or mad or whatever because you're taking an action that you know is going to make you happier. You know it's going to make you feel better because you're taking an intentional action that you already know you enjoy or you like or what have you. So number one, you get a little break from the feeling bad or sad or upset or mad or whatever. But number two, it gives your brain... Uh, a distraction, a little distraction, a little sidebar so your brain can start to, to process whatever happened or process your emotions. And of course, you end up feeling better, better. Now, the other big piece about this is if you continually flip the switch on your emotions every time you've... And I've done this. <laughs> I had to like flip the switch on my emotions like four times in one day. I mean, it was like I was having a horrible day and boom, I was like in it. So I'd go, go do something. I mean, you can listen to music. It doesn't have to take like an hour. You can do something that'll quickly, you know, get yourself back in the game. And so that you're rewiring your brain for happiness when you do this repeatedly, because your brain is wired to latch onto shortcuts. It saves your brain thinking, your brain looks for patterns. It's why you drive the same way to work every day, because it saves your brain from having to actually think, oh, how are we getting to work today? So your brain loves shortcuts and your brain loves patterns because it's helpful to your brain. Your brain has a lot of things to manage. And the more you do things that help you be happier and feel better, guess what? Your brain likes that because your body likes it when you're happier. Your brain likes it. You like it. Everybody else. like everybody gets some benefits when you're happier in your brain. So you're rewiring your brain. So 
look that up, flip the switch on your motions, put that on your list. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing stopgap measure. So it doesn't fix the problem that got you upset. It's not going to fix your life, but it will boost your mood in the moment that so you can keep going. All right. Next is emotions as your superpower. Well, how are you feeling right now? Well, if you're listening to this podcast because life is too hard, you're not feeling too happy. You're not feeling too good and you're almost for sure dealing with the difficult emotions. Well, here's the the bad news. Bad news is you weren't taught as a child or as a young person or whatever age you are how to identify, manage, and process your emotions. Because people, as a rule, are not being taught that. And, and it's your emotions that will tank you. Like, you either know how to, like, run your emotions, manage them, process them like a well-oiled machine, like you're Superman or Spider-Man or whatever, or you're at the whim of your emotions. Most people are at the whim of their emotions. And part of feeling like life is too hard has a big emotional component to it. So one of the things that you have to put on your radar and then put on your list is learning to grow your emotional abilities. This will help you with depression. This will help you with all of the difficult emotions. And it's good for you and it's good for everybody in your life. And I've got many, many podcasts that will help you grow your emotions to be a superpower. And if you go to my website, click on the Newsweek uh, logo and go to my Newsweek expert forum profile page. I've got several um, articles that will help you with that. So flip the switch on your emotions, which is really starting to teach you emotional regulation. Like, oh, I'm not feeling so happy. Oh, that just happened. Now I'm mad or upset. Oh, I think I'll go take a 10 minute cat nap in the car. Or I think I'll go for a, f- a cup of coffee down the hall. Or I think like, and make a list of the things that will, you know, distract you and boost your mood. Your brain is going to go, oh, hey, she's not feeling good. Let's time to flip the switch. And that build starts to build your emotional skill base. Um, and emotions are your superpower. I hate to break it to you. They are like, you want to be like Spider-Man where you know how to hit the button, shoot the webbing, whoosh, there you go, and you're off and running. You're like, you want your emotions to be like that, and that is not how it is for most people. All right, the next suggestion I have for you is to counterbalance the negative. Now, I have an entire podcast devoted to that, so you might want to go listen to that. I mean, seriously, when you, when you feel like your life is too hard, you need every tool, you need every trick, you need every technique, because that's going to help you. And a lot of what I'm talking about is skill building. I mean, it's a skill to learn to flip the switch on your emotions and then boom, your mood is boosted. That's a skill that you repeatedly do. Then your brain's going to be like, oh, yep, it's time to flip the switch. Let's go do something. And, you know, then you're building emotional skills. So counterbalance the negative means you're going to work to put happy things in your life to offset negative things. I mean, it's a pretty simple concept. So that's going to help you. The podcast will explain it in great detail because you've got to bring intentionality to your life. Next, I have learned to control your mind and be present. Well, here's the thing. 
We're not teaching people how to control their thoughts, their mind, like people are walking around in life and their mind is just like chaotic. Well, there are many ways you can actually learn to control your mind. This has been written about for thousands of years. This is nothing new. This is not psychic. This is not some voodoo science. So I have a podcast about how to learn to control your mind because here's the thing. Right now, if your life is too hard, what's likely is that, what's more likely is that You've been brooding and ruminating and engaging in catastrophizing and overthinking and negative thinking, and it's a vicious cycle. Like you don't know how to control your thoughts. You don't know how to control your emotions. So it's time to learn skills where you learn how to control your emotions because you really can. And pro- But you have to learn how to manage and process them. That's the, usually the missing piece is what do I do with my emotions? And I have a whole podcast about how to manage and process your emotions because that's actually, you know, it's got many layers to it. But you want to learn to control your mind because you can. And so I have a podcast about that. By the way, I give you ideas on how to learn to do that, but that's not the only way. I mentioned several other ways. There's just a bunch of ways. All right, next up is something that I hope that you're going to really dive into. So right now, you're in a position, if you're listening to this podcast, where your life is too hard. So given that, you could take advantage of what's called post-traumatic growth and become a better version of yourself and have life be richer or more rewarding. So what is post-traumatic growth? Well, post-traumatic growth is where you take something bad. It could be a death. It could be a loss. It could be bereavement. It could be a life challenge. It could be trauma. It could be anything. You take this horrible bad thing or this problem. I mean, it doesn't have to be horrible, horrible, but you take something that's negative, painful, And you use it as a springboard to become a better version of yourself. And you use that and then the result is life becomes richer or more rewarding. Well, if you're feeling like life is too hard, doesn't it make all the sense in the world to go, huh, yeah, my life is too hard. Yeah, I think I'll go get on that road. It's called the road to a better version of myself and then have life be richer and more rewarding. Well, by the way, anytime you get involved in becoming a better version of yourself, life usually becomes easier. So remember earlier when I was talking about, do you have a cognitive distortion? Well, they're, they're pervasive, they're extremely common, and guess what happens to people when they recognize they have one? Then they go, oh, it's like an aha moment, like, aha, well, now this makes sense. Well, uh, uh, no wonder this or no wonder that. Like, like things start to make sense. And then they can get over having that cognitive distortion because I already said you're not stuck with it. But post-traumatic growth is like, what else would you want to do with your life being too hard? Life, your life is too hard for you. What else do you, would you want to do with it? Well, why not have your life go better? Why not have life be richer? Why not have life be more rewarding? Like I used to call this using pain to your advantage before I knew the term post-traumatic growth. I'm a fan of that because 
Like if your life really is too hard for you, then yes, that's painful. And yes, you want to use that. You want to get some benefits from that or you can just suffer. So my suggestion is that you use this moment to be a defining moment where you're choosing. Yeah, I'm going to have a better life because I choose it. And because I want to take advantage of this hardship, this pain, this what have you, and have myself become a better version of myself and have life be richer and more rewarding. Or you could just suffer through it and not do it. I mean, it's really your choice. My next suggestion is a tool. Now, it, I'm a big fan of having lots of tools in your toolbox. So remember how I talked about flipping the switch on your emotions? That's a tool. It's a stopgap measure. Another tool that's very helpful when life is hard or too hard is gratitude. Gratitude is free. Gratitude is something you can learn. And gratitude is a muscle you can grow. And I highly recommend it. And I have a whole podcast on that. When life is too hard for you, you've got to start picking up tools and using them. Because life will become easier and you'll become a better version of yourself. My next point is about friends. I get very um, connected with people. Like I have very intimate conversations with people. So people will say things to me that they wouldn't just say to anyone else. Of course, that's also probably because they know I have a reputation for keeping things confidential because I'm not a gossip. But most people have told me, this is generally, you know, it's got to be over 80%. Most people need more friends or they could use better friends or they could use more friends that have a little less, you know, busy schedules. Like they need more friends that have more free time. So friends are something that can really be helpful in life. And we know from the research that having social connections, i.e. friends, what well, could be family too, friends or family, that you actually spend time with and enjoy is extremely valuable to your health and in fact more valuable than dealing with something like obesity. So there are medical benefits to having friends, having enough good friends and spending time with them. And when life is when your life is too hard for you, that, that would be something to lean into. Now, you know, your life might be too hard because you really don't have enough friends or, you you know, you need to make better friends because maybe, you know, we've all had friends who weren't that nice to us. I hate to break it to you. If you've never had a friend that wasn't so nice to you, well, good for you. I'm happy for you. I'm really happy for you. But most everybody I know has had that friend or in my case, several who really weren't that nice to us. Like I've had friends who weren't that nice to me. Well, they're not my friends anymore. But, you know, like we've all had that problem or most people have had that problem. So I have tons of stuff on making new friends and it's going to be, you know, very helpful to you. And uh, remember I was say, suggesting you ask for help? Well, I actually had posted a couple things I needed help with on my um, one of my social media accounts. And I actually made a new new fr two new friends out of that because they actually were happy to show up and help me take care of a small, I mean, it was a small thing, 
and, you know, we're still friends as a result. So like, you know, you've got to have friends. And if you don't have any friends, don't beat yourself up about it. Just go, hey, I'm going to put that on my list and go make new friends. The next thing that makes this list before I wrap up with a whole bunch of other suggestions, but these are the big ones, is self-care. Look around the world, look around when you're shopping, look around when you're at the grocery store or wherever you are. People don't look well, they don't look happy, they're not taking care of themselves. I mean, we're living in a society of obesity, not that I can talk because I'm overweight too. Um, but, you know, like, but I, I may be overweight, okay, but I have like the fitness of someone who's 30, so I'm, I'm like in good shape, but definitely overweight. Um, so self-care is something that is really, really important for your mental health, for your physical health, for your emotional health, and it's one thing a lot of people either aren't doing or aren't doing well or aren't doing enough of. I have a whole podcast that's on self-care and self-compassion. And look, you want to do this every day because you want to feel better, right? Life is your life is too hard for you. So you want to do those things that were are guaranteed to make you feel better. Well, taking care of yourself is guaranteed to make you feel better. And it might even make you look younger. And, and uh, you know, like it's, it's and you've got to make it fun. Okay, listen. We're doing this, I'm doing this podcast, you know, your life is too hard for you. Well, I've always had a hard life, like always. I've had all the traumas you can have in life, all the hardships, you name it, I've had it, been there, done that. And I've also, also known how to be happy even when life is hard. So, but one of the things that I'm good at is taking care of myself. Well, I've had to take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself, who else is going to do it? Like, I haven't had the luxury of not taking care of myself. I mean, I just haven't. And this is something that is going to help you feel better. You've got to start feeling better. This will help you. So you take a shower every day or a hot bath. You do your grooming. Even if you're not leaving the house, even if you're not leaving, going anywhere, you know, you put on decent clothes and, you know, now if you wear a lot of makeup, I don't know what you're going to wear. I only wear like mascara and eyeliner. So, <laughs> you know, I put that on every day even when I'm not going anywhere because it takes like a, a minute maybe. Um, but do your grooming, get dressed. Like these are basic things. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Listen to my podcast. You want to make this fun and enjoyable. Because I'm a fan of fun and enjoyable. Like, I do things that make me happy because I know how hard life is. And I like being happy. So make it fun and enjoyable. Now, I have several other suggestions for you if you're feeling like your life is too hard. So you have options. Okay? I've, I've The things that I've already said, I do want you to flip the switch on your emotions. Every time you feel bad, I do want you to make sure you have friends. I do want you to look at, do you have a cognitive distortion? Because that's, that's a problem. That, that could be the major problem in your life. I don't know, but you won't know either. And just don't be woe is me. Listen, I learned I didn't have any anger skills or that I over... Like, I've learned all kinds of stuff about me. And I wasn't like, 
oh no, I don't have any anger skills. I was like, holy smokes, how did I get to be this age and not have any anger skills? Let's get going. So some other suggestions for you. So number one, I want you to commit to feeling better. Like commit. I want to feel better and be all in. Be all in. Take no prisoners. You are going to feel better no matter what it takes. Number two, grab a buddy or build a team. Life is so much more fun when you have a partner in crime or a buddy or you have a team and you could like, you could make a team of strangers that, you know, like there's lots of ways you could, you know, set up a team and you could make it a superhero journey. You could make it, you know, like from a, from a movie or your favorite character and like you could do a lot of fun things and you could have parties and you could have events and you could celebrate and that's what I recommend because you've got to start feeling better and you will be you know oh more than you know 65 or 80 to 5 percent more successful if you've got people with you because they can hold you accountable and help you and cheer you on so make a fun and enjoyable team at least get one buddy or at least one. The next thing is you're going to start setting goals and taking actions. We know that setting goals and then taking actions towards those goals help people be happier. Now, I've already covered lots of things you could set goals on, right? Self-care. Um, we're going to add self-compassion to the, to the list. We're going to We've got flipping the switch on your emotions. You've got building a team. There's all kinds of things. You know, you won't have any trouble coming up with goals. Um, so you're definitely going to flip the switch on your emotions. Make that a tool that you use whenever you need it. You are going to need to make a list of things that make you happy. Because you want to understand yourself and your life. Because if you're going to flip the switch on your emotions, you know, you've got to have a list to draw from. So you want to start to, to engage in the question, what makes me happy? Well, most of the times people do not know that. They don't know what makes them happy. So don't make yourself wrong if you don't know what makes you happy. You're normal. But you've got to start to figure it out. All right, so the next thing is you're going to have a reward system. Yes, 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 rewards are fun. They're amazing. I have a great reward system, and one of these days when I have an amazing man in my life, I'll have even different rewards than I have now. So set up a reward system. Make sure it's within your budget. I've got lots of materials on that. I even have a, a Newsweek article about reward system. Like, no kidding. Life is hard. Why wouldn't you want to get some perks and some benefits from doing your self-care or, you know, making progress on a goal? I don't know. You would because they're fun you, and they can help you stay motivated and they can, they can help you in all kinds of ways. Next, I recommend that you start dealing with your issues and problems. Now, we're not generally speaking good in society at dealing with our issues and problems. I have a whole podcast about that. I'm just going to make a list and start getting to work on that. I already covered ask for help. Please, 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 please ask for help. People will help you. I mean, you might have to ask repeatedly. If you're me, you might have to ask repeatedly. But, you know, so what? I mean, did, did I stop to think when I was in college, what are the Chi Omegas going to think of me for coming in asking for help? No, I never thought about that. 
quite frankly, I didn't care. I got the help I needed and, you know, I thank God for them. And so, no, just get ask for what you need. Um, another quick thing that can help you while you're feeling like life is too hard is affirmations. Now, affirmations are short, simple, usually one sentence can be more than one sentence statements that address an issue or problem and help you feel better. So I'm not going to get into any more with affirmations. You can look it up on the web or you can listen to some of my other podcasts, but affirmations are a tool that can help you. Tame your inner critic. Well, that's in my podcast on self-care and self-compassion. You have an inner critic whose job is to tell you you're a loser, you're stupid, you did that wrong, of course, blah, blah, blah. Nasty, mean stuff to you. It's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible part of the brain. But everyone has one, at least as far as we know. And you can tame it. And that's like, it's a journey, which I talk about in my self-care and self-compassion podcast. But you want to eventually put that on your list because it is so fun. It is so fun to tell your inner critic where to go. <laughs> like it's 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 really fun. And your inner critic, by the way, will will quiet down. Like it will like kind of dig a hole and only rear its head every once in a blue moon. At least that's what happened for me. All right, start a hobby if you can. If you don't have hobbies, I highly recommend them. I think all children should have at least two or three hobbies before they age out of high school. I think it should be mandatory because there's lots of benefits for hobbies and they can help you feel better. My next suggestion is um, journaling. And the reason I'm suggesting that, because I don't, I don't often suggest that, but if you're feeling like your life is too hard, what journaling can do is it can provide a way to release some of your emotions and uh, can help you as you're getting on the road to learning how to manage and process your emotions. So journaling might be something that will help you. And I, and I, I, don't, I don't know if it'll help you or not, but that's at least something you should be aware of. I mean, at least from the research oh, a long time ago, uh, I did see a research piece where they said people who journal uh, tend to be significantly more emotionally, mentally healthy than people who don't. I don't know where the research stands today, but at least they used to say that. But it, it could be helpful as a tool in learning how to process and manage your emotions. Uh, next, I'm almost at the end. You've got to find a way to keep some hope present. I mean, hope is a very powerful thing. And if you're feeling like your life is too hard, you might have to do something to provide yourself with hope. That's probably especially true if you have, like if you're in an emotionally abusive marriage or relationship or you're having serious financial difficulties or some other big problem, um, you've got to find a way to have hope. And this is not the podcast on that, but I've done lots of different things like setting up reunions a year in advance, you know, to give myself something to look forward to. But you've got to find something to be hopeful for and something to look forward to. Next, I have dealing with overwhelm. I don't know 
if you're feeling overwhelmed, you may or may not be, to be honest. It's probably likely that you are either feeling overwhelmed or you feel overwhelmed on a fairly consistent basis. I have a podcast on overwhelm. I have a YouTube video and um, I highly recommend you take a look at that because it's a it's a construct that once and, and it's a pattern it's a pattern of behavior and thoughts and emotions and so once your brain gets the wiring for that it's amazing because you won't be falling into overwhelm like almost ever so take a look at that you know there's you're going to have to either diagram your own overwhelm kind of pattern or you can download my overwhelm pattern and and just change it up to to be more truthful to you so we've got to start dealing with overwhelm because that doesn't feel good that's really a problem and then i already mentioned to mention to you gratitude bring that into your life every day i mean you've got to have things that you can be grateful for if you don't have anything that you can be grateful for well then you're you're in deep trouble probably more trouble than you're admitting to so bring gratitude into your life and that podcast will help you and as i already covered you want to make sure you're taking advantage of the self-fulfilling prophecy by having positive expectations, attitudes, and beliefs. So here's so that's a lot of choices for you. There's lots of areas for you that you can get to work on to have life be easier, to learn new skills. It's really about learning and growing to make life easier because life is always going to be hard. But when you have tools life is easier. I compared it in another analogy to you're building a house and someone across the street is building a house. They have power tools. You have no power tools. Whose house is going to be built faster, quicker, and probably more sturdy? Someone who's got tools, power tools. So growth and development gives you power tools in life instead of the, you know, manual, no, no power. All right, here's your takeaways. It's time to recognize that growth and development is going to help you have an easier life. I mean, it's, I mean, life is going to be hard, but when you have tools, meaning skills and abilities, techniques, you know, things that you can use, it makes life easier and better. And it's time for you to start asking for help if you need help. Like, it's just time for that. No shame, no embarrassment, just ask for what you need. And lastly, it's time for you to build a team and take people with you because that'll be, that'll be more fun. Don't forget to name your team. Don't forget to create some great events and some milestones and reward yourself. So I hope you're going to share this podcast with other people because I'm telling you, this is a very common thing, even though most people won't admit to it because it's like people are like, not good with their emotions. So let's get some teams together. Let's get a buddy, share this podcast, help other people. You got it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast. Episode number 81, My Life is Too Hard. I hope you're going to get into action and get going because there's lots of things you can do 
to help make your life easier and better, even when it's very difficult. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. Don't forget to share it on social media with your friends because they could probably use this help. And please visit my website to enter my giveaway. Listen, I love you. You've got this. Hang in in there for now.